How many people here have ever looked in the mirror and thought to themselves, man, I've gained some weight? <laughs> it happens, right? And it's not, like, it's not like you went to bed one night and then you woke up the next morning and you were 30 pounds heavier. It kind of just like, it, it kind of gradually happens and then one day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, like how did this happen? And when we gain weight, it makes us tired, it makes us feel heavy, we lose motivation, and then it starts to affect how we feel about ourselves, maybe we're embarrassed, maybe we don't wanna go out, and we start, to, we start to isolate, we start to stay home, and the problem persists and we just get heavier. Not just in weight, but in the way we feel about ourselves. That's not a good place to be, right? And one day, we hopefully we wake up and we say, it's time to lose weight. I'm gonna make the decision to lose weight. And you can do that for a number of reasons, right? You can do it for your spouse or maybe for your job or maybe for your kids or maybe just for yourself. But ultimately, you're making a decision to lose weight. But if you're like me, before you make that decision, you're a little resentful, right? Because you're like, I don't understand how I got so heavy. Because if you're like me, I will blame everybody and everything in my life for the reason why I gained weight. When the reality of it is this, is that I made a decision to put the stuff in my body that I did, right? The Wendy's, the cupcakes, the M&Ms. I made the decision to not go to the gym or not work out. And then I also made the decision to let those things affect me so much that I start cutting myself off from my friends and my family. So I get to this point where I'm really feeling bad about myself in terms of how I look and how I feel and just the way my life is going. And I make the decision that I'm going to lose weight. And there are a few things that we have to do in order to lose weight in the natural, right? We have to change our diet. We have to recognize that our food choices, the decision we're making with food, are not the right ones. We have to stop eating bad food and start eating good food. We also have to make the decision to change our lifestyle. So, as much as I want to say that I have too much work to do and I have too many other responsibilities in my life, the fact of the matter is I can make time to train my body to get in shape, right? And the other thing you have to do, especially if you're like me, is you need somebody who's your accountability partner. Don't eat that. Don't do that. You're not that tired. You can go to the gym. And somebody to talk to about how I feel about how mad I am that I can't have Wendy's. Or how when I go to the gym, I'm a, I'm a little jealous and envious of the way other people look. An accountability, an accountability partner is the person who helps you reach your goals. And they help you stay steadfast in a decision you made to reach a goal of losing weight. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. In the, New Kings, in the New King James Version, it says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I've read that verse a bunch of times. And until very recently, I kind of glossed over the fact that it says every weight and the sin. I kind of just grouped them together. So I took a closer look at the difference between weight and sin. Right? So I was really thinking about this, really researching it, and sin, to me, seems to be something that we do with our bodies, an outward action, right? It could be uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, gambling, sex addiction, um, lying, cheating, stealing, infidelity. The list goes on and on and on. But a lot of those sins are outward expressions with our physical body. They're visible. People could see those sins, even if we don't think they can. And those sins usually affect somebody. They don't just affect ourselves. But weights, on the other hand, weights seem to be something that are invisible, internal to ourselves. 
most likely in our soul. Those, those weights may not be caused by us. Those weights possibly could be caused by somebody else. A past trauma, a past hurt, a failed relationship, the words that have been spoken over us. Being told you're always going to be like so-and-so, or you're never going to amount to anything. But nonetheless, we're told to lay those things aside. Because those things, just as equally as our sin, stop us from running the race that God has called us to run. And it's a race that not only he called us, but he's, he's prepared us and he has empowered us to run. God would never ask us to do something that we can't do, that he wouldn't give us the ability and the resources to do. So we decide to lose weight. But we're going to look at this from the spiritual sense. And when I say spiritual weight, it's not your actual spirit, right? Because if you're born again, your spirit's alive unto God. Your spirit's made new. You're a new man in Christ. But our soul, those weights that are in our soul, they weigh down our spirit. They pull our spirit down. So when we're talking about spiritual weight loss, I'm not talking about our spirit. I'm talking about the things that weigh our spirits down in our soul. So the word weight in the Greek is the word agkos or agkos, which describes a burden or something so heavy and cumbersome that it impedes a runner from running his race as he should. And as I said before, a weight is something that's inward, it's something internal, it's something that's in our soul, and it could be a habit, it could be an attitude, it could be a fear, a secret. And I know we don't want to hear this because I don't like to hear this, but it could be unforgiveness, and it could be an offense. Right? No one in the world can know that you're holding an offense to somebody else. But while you're holding that offense, everyone else is going about their life and you're dying inside. And it's the same thing with unforgiveness. So on the other hand, when we talk about laying the things aside, the original language, the words for lay aside are apo and tithemi. And when you put those words to get together in a compounded form, this is what it means, and this is really powerful. It means laying something down and at the same time pushing it far away from himself. Right? So it's not like I have this weight and I put it down and I keep it in arm's reach so that every time that I want to make a bad decision and do something stupid, I can pick it up and say, it's this, it's this fault. Well, I did this because you said that I was never going to mount to anything. I said this, or I did this sin because you said I was a failure. Or that person in 2001 wronged me, so I'm going to continue to be a jerk to them in 2021. It doesn't say that. It says, lay it aside and push it far away from you. And that's hard. That's not easy to do. But in 1 Peter 5, 7, it tells us that we can cast our cares upon to God because he cares for us. So we can cast our cares unto God. But when you cast your cares unto God, when you lay something down, when you get rid of something, you have to replace it with something else. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But first, real quick, because I read this, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Let's go to Colossians 3 in the Amplified. So Colossians 3, we're going to, go, we're going to start at verse 1. It says, but now rid yourselves completely. That's not the right one. I'll read it from here because it's the one that I want to read. It says, but now rid yourselves completely of these things. Oh, it is right. My apologies. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep, in, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only have temporal value. For you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, so put to death and deprive of power. Deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts. Immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, 
which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. We have to set our mind. We have to set our mind and keep focused habitually. So it's not like you do it once and it just happens automatically and you never have to worry about it again or, or do anything again. Just like when you're trying to lose weight, right? We're going to set our mind and keep habitually focused day after day, making a decision day after day to focus on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things of this world. Because it's the things of this world, and those things don't have to be material. It's the things of this world. It's the words spoken like we talked about. It's the habits, the desires, the lusts, the things, the things that we see on Facebook and television that are stopping us from focusing on God. And when it comes to spiritual weight loss, it is impossible to get rid of those weights without the empowerment of God. So now we can go to Colossians 3, verse 8 and 9, which we had before. That's what I was reading before. And it says this, but now rid yourselves completely of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices. And I've put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. Can you leave that up for a second? We have to take off the old and put on the new. And we're being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. Again, that's a decision we have to make every day. So in the fall or winter of 2015, when my friend essentially dragged me into this church against my will and coerced me by getting me breakfast, um, and I somehow realized who Jesus was and what he had done for me, that wasn't a one-time decision because my problems didn't go away the next day. My problems were still here. And maybe more importantly, I was still me. Right? My soul was still Brian's soul. My spirit was renewed, created new, born alive unto God. I'm going to heaven. God sees me perfect through Jesus, and thank God he does. Amen. But I was still Brian, and my soul was still Brian, and Brian's body was still Brian's body. And that's not perfect. And it needs continuing, continuing, continuing renewal. So we're going to look at some ways to lose spiritual weight or the things that weigh down our spirit. So if we go to Romans 12, 2, it says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I just stated earlier, when you, when you take something away, you have to replace it with something else. How many people stopped sinning or stopped doing a sin and replaced it with another sin, but it was just a lesser sin? Anybody ever do that, or am I just the only one who's ever done that? And you felt good about yourself, right? You're like, at least I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> that's not what that's telling us to do. <laughs> it's being, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, if you're trying to lose natural weight, you would stop eating junk food, and you replace it with good, healthy food. And it's the same thing with this, right? With the, with the, with the weights that weigh down our spirit. We have to stop taking in the junk and start putting in good stuff in our body. We have to get the word of God inside of us. The word of God is a thing that can transform us. It is the only thing that has the power to transform us. There's nothing else that can do that. You know, the word of God tells us that our enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And Pastor already talked about, talked about this this past weekend. And it, said that we had, and it says that in order to not be devoured, we have to be sober-minded and vigilant. Sober not being just like not drinking and not doing drugs, but clear-headed with good judgment and wisdom. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of faulty wisdom out there with other books and things like that. My wisdom has to come from the Word of God. Amen. So we have to get in the Word. 
And we have to do that daily. We have to make the decision to get in the word of God. Because Facebook, Twitter, the news media, and whatever else, the commercials, good Lord, the commercials are crazy now. Those things filling our mind are not going to transform us. If anything, they're probably only going to reinforce the waste that we already have inside of us. Because when you see commercials, you're looking at people who are perfect, at least visually, and you're like, I'm never going to do that. Those of you who watch HTTV, you're watching these beautiful houses. You're like, my house looks like crap compared to that house. Sorry for my language. It's not that HTV, HGTV is bad, but we're living in a world where we always compare us to other people and what we have to other people, and that's not what we're supposed to do. The Word of God tells us who we are. And it tells us that God valued us so much that he sent his son to die for us. But not just so that we can go to heaven, but so that we can have power on earth to be victorious. And that's not just victorious for us, just for the individual so that we can can have a great life and have all the things that we want. But in the verse we read earlier, it said there's witnesses. People are watching. And how we live our daily lives, we have a witness. We're witnessing the people whether or not we realize that we're doing it. People are watching. People are listening. And the way we act, the way we speak, the way we handle certain adversities. And people know we're Christian. That's going to that's gonna pretty much form their idea of whether or not they may want to come to church and they may want to believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So again, we have to replace the old with the new. And just so you know, if you have a weight that you think is impossible to get rid of, we don't fight with natural resources. We don't fight with natural weapons. We fight with supernatural weapons. And the word of God is a supernatural weapon. And what we've learned in the Bible school, and this is not a Bible school plug, it's just something that I've learned recently and it's something that's starting to transform my life, is that we can use the name of Jesus. We have authority. We have power of attorney. And if you've never looked up what power of attorney is, I want you to go do that because it is a mind-blowing thing that will change your perspective on who you are as a Christian. So please, remember, we have the word of God in the name of Jesus to use his power in our lives to lay aside those weights. Amen? Amen. So now that we've started to, to take in the good stuff and not take in the bad stuff anymore, we have to change our lifestyle, we need a fitness plan. And Hebrews 2.1 says this, Therefore, we give earnest heed to the things we heard, lest we drift away. Heed is to give careful attention to. So what that's telling me is this. You just can't read your Bible and then put it back in the nightstand and then wake up the next morning and live the way you were living before. You have to give earnest heed. Earnest heed, because if we don't give earnest heed, if we're just reading it to read it, to say, oh, I did my hour, or I did my chapter a day, or I did whatever it is, my reading, my reading plan, we can still drift away. Even though we're going to church and hearing the word of God, we're praying, we're serving, we're reading the Bible, we may be doing all the things to mark off the Christian checkbox, box checkings, and we still can drift away. Because we're not giving careful attention. We're not giving earnest heed. And when it talks about a fitness plan, when we talk about changing our lifestyle, one of the biggest obstacles to living a lifestyle that doesn't have weights in it is when you're walking around with pride. Pride is a killer of relationships, of community, and pride is a killer of getting rid of weights. Humility allows God to come in with his mercy and with his grace. But the Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. And we need God to, we need God to God's help. We need God to help us remove weights. We cannot remove the weights on our own. So if we have pride, one of those silent killers, one of those silent weights, we're never going to be able to get rid of those weights. Some quick, quick things when it comes to living a new lifestyle. You know, in Romans 7, 15, it says this, for, for what I am doing, I do not understand. <laughs> for what I will to do, that I do not practice. For what I hate, I do. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there. And what that's essentially saying is, is like, I know not to do wrong, but I still do it. 
I know what not to do. If you're like me, it lands you in government facilities, in the back of cop cars, court, fines, paying lawyers a whole bunch of money. I know what not to do, and yet I still do it. Why do I do those things, or why did I do those things? Because I had weights, and those weights caused me to have a victim mentality. Because I, and I didn't know yet that the word of God can transform us and transform our soul. And by transforming our soul, we can control our flesh. And like I said before, if we continue to sin, we won't go to hell. But people will blaspheme God based on how we live our life as a Christian. And that's a tough truth. So it's imperative that we take a look at our life and the weights that we have in our life and start to change them. Because it's not just about making our life better, it's about making other people's lives better. The other thing about reading the word and then changing our lifestyle is in James 1, verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not just hearers only. So that goes back to about drifting away. So it's not just good enough to read the word and hear the word, but we have to do the word. We have to apply what we learn in the word, apply the principles that we learn the word into our lives. And now comes time to the decision of choosing an accountability partner. Acts 2, verse 42 says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Our friends matter. The people we spend time with matter. Like, we can't change our family, right? Like, unfortunately, we can't change our family. And sometimes you have to, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, things like that, you have to show up for your family because you have to be a good son or daughter or, or, or father or mother or cousin or niece or aunt. You have to show up for your family. And you have to endorse some things at those family functions. Some of our, func- some of our functions or my family functions are a little crazy. My family's a little dysfunctional. My family went through a lot of stuff about five years ago. And you know how we, you know how we rectified all that? We just never talk about it. We never talk about it. It's been almost six years now, and we still never talk about it. So every single time we all get together for Christmas or Thanksgiving or birthdays, there's this tension that never goes away. And we fake laugh, and we fake hug, and we fake kiss, and it's exhausting. Because no one wants to face the reality that I hurt you, and you hurt me, and it's not that we're resentful over the past anymore. Let's just talk about it and get out in the open and get over, over with. But you see, some people, and I'm trying my best to not do this because it's part of my family genealogy, some people like to hold on to things that gives them power over you. They like, like to hold on to weights. You don't want to be one of those people. We talked about unforgiveness and how unforgiveness can lead to being a weight, and it could lead to sin. And we talked about offense doing the same thing. And if we hold on to resentments and hold on to offense, we hold on to unforgiveness. Maybe in that moment when you're together in the living room, you may have control over that person because they're afraid to talk to you because you know something about them. But the other 364 days of the year, they're out chilling, running their life and having a great old time. And you're probably still thinking about what they did five or six years ago. And it's killing you. And it was killing me for a very long time. <laughs> and it's not what you want to do. Our family aside, our friends matter. The people we hang out matter. The people we spend time with matter. It says again, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Christianity, this Christian walk, isn't just Sunday in church and then Monday through Saturday. We just get to go back to being who we are outside of church. It's a seven-day, 24-hour-a-day thing. So who we spend time with matters. We need people who are going to hold us accountable to read the Bible, to serve, not just here in church, but serve, serve God and serve other people. 
We need people who are going to say, don't do that. And you need people in your life, and I need people in my life who we can go to and be like, I'm feeling like this, and I'm about to do this. I need help. And if we don't have that, we have no chance. We have absolutely no chance of, A, getting rid of those weights, and B, of not sinning, and not sinning and not killing ourselves and hurting all the people around us. The right people, the right person in your life will pray with you and pray for you. Will be somebody you can confide in, someone you can go to church with, someone you can fellowship with. They'll talk to you in a manner that's not to puff you up, but they're not going to break you down either. They'll be able to give you criticism without making you feel like you're an idiot, like you're worthless, and like you mean nothing. And accountability, this is really cool. Accountability, holding each other accountable, is how we love God and how we love each other. You know, Jesus didn't walk around just hugging everybody saying, it's okay, don't worry about it. He healed them. He said, I forgive your sins. But then he said, what? Go and sin no more, right? And he rebuked the Pharisees. And he, and he did all types of things. And that's the kind of love that we have, to, we have to have for each other. Not to tear each other down, to add more weight to somebody else's life. Not to make people feel worthless, but to use the word of God to build somebody up in a constructive way. And that's what accountability is all about. Because taking in the right stuff, right? Eating the right food, taking in the right stuff, reading the Bible is not enough. And living a good lifestyle is not enough. Because we need an example. Each of us need an example. We need somebody, whether it's a mentor or somebody older, who can help us walk through life. And here's why. Because no matter what age you're at, there's somebody older who has more life experience, who has seen things you've never seen. Even though I think I know it all most of the time, <laughs> the fact of the matter is I don't. And you probably don't either. So accountability matters. Right, so the weights. Again, the weights are the things in our soul. They're internal. And if we don't rectify those weights, if we don't lay them aside and push them far, far away, they eventually become so burdensome and so heavy that they cause us to sin. And the idea of God's grace is what? The very practical definition of God's grace is what? The empowerment not to sin. Jesus would have never said go and sin no more if, he, if there was no power to be able to do that. God would never ask us to do something he doesn't give us the power to do. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. Well, it may not be quick. It may be a little long. <laughs> when I was in the seventh grade, well, first of all, I, I went to private school, and the private school taught a certain religion, um, where you had to do confession and you had to break no rules. And then hopefully right before you die, um, a priest can run to your, your deathbed and read you like your last rites. Um, and then hopefully you would get to heaven. But if you were like me, no matter what happened, you're probably going to float around for a number of years. And then one day God was going to be fine. You can come in now. And I'm not making fun. But that was, that was my idea. That was my idea of what it was. Like Jesus, God loved me so much that Jesus died for my sins, and one day I would get to heaven. However, what they made it seem like, and I don't think they meant to do it this way, but what they made it seem like was that between understanding that Jesus died for my sins and I was going to heaven, and the day I died, I was completely helpless. And I was just left on this earth to suffer in my sin and confess the same sin every Friday, every single Friday, over and over and over again. And before I tell you the story, one thing that was really funny is the, the priest would ask me, like, why do you keep doing this? And my best answer was, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I do it. What I didn't realize was I had ways that were causing me to do it, but I knew enough that I knew that I could not change my sinning behavior on my own. At 12 years old. So this story, very quickly. 12 years old, I think, 12, I'm in seventh grade, 11, 12. I do something really horrible. 
something so horrible that if I were an adult, 18 plus, I would have been in jail. So I get called down to the principal's office and the principal says, wait right here. And I do. And then um, Father Mike comes and gets me and brings me to the church and he sits me down. And I'm like, oh, here it is. Like, I'm never going, I'm getting expelled. I'm never going to college. All my dreams, all my career, my career goals are, are ruined. Or they weren't mine. They were really like my mom's for me. Um, but all those things are ruined. Um, and then my mom's going to get home and she's going to pick me up and she's going to kill me. And this is going to be terrible. And God, I wish I could just sin with no consequences. <laughs> but that's not what he said. He sat me down and very calmly and very gently said, Brian, God doesn't love you. He said, you, he said, you, you are on the devil's team. And I was 12. I was 12. And I knew I'd done something really terrible. Um, side note, very quickly, don't want to get off on this. While that's happening to me, my mother's stitching up the person who I had done something to. Talk about consequences. Like literally, while I'm getting talked to by the priest, the person that I had done something to is in the doctor's office getting stitched up by my mother. That was a fun conversation when I got home. <laughs> a fun conversation. So he says this to me. And I, I don't think I was saved at 12. I mean, I had head knowledge of, of, of who Jesus was and of who God was. I don't think I was saved. But when he said that to me, I knew something was wrong. And though I knew it was wrong, and though I knew it was untrue, I don't know how I knew that, but I knew. It still affected me. And I still unknowingly carried that with me for a very long time. So fast forward, it's 2013, 2014, 2015, and I'm drinking every day, doing a significant amount of drugs every day. I literally am trying to kill myself and can't. Um, and people are saying, why are you doing this? And again, my best answer is, I don't know. But I can't stop. I want to stop. The things that I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And I have no answers, and I'm hopeless, and I'm helpless, and I just want to die. And I can't even do that correctly, which was terrible. So, so I cry out to God one day. I'm saying, God, you got to fix this. And he does, and long story short, he gets me into a rehab and blah, 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 blah. And I'm in rehab, and I come to understand who Jesus Christ is, and um, at least I'm assured I'm going to heaven now. Amen. <laughs> right, at least I'm assured that I'm going to heaven right at this point. Um, but as I said before, I woke up the next morning, and life was still life. And I still had the same thoughts going through my head, same crazy ideas, and my body was still my body and still wanted to do what it wanted to do. And sure enough, three months after getting saved, I got thrown out of um, a rehab, case in point. You see, because I made a decision to do something that I thought was right. But it still had consequences. See, every decision that we, that we make has consequences. And whether you knowingly or unknowingly make a decision, you're simply doing this. If you say yes to something, if you make the decision to say yes to this, then you're ultimately saying no to something else. Yes. And in a very broad macro environment, that means if you say yes to God and yes to the things of God, then you're saying no to the world and the things of the world. And conversely, if you say yes to the world and the things of the world, then we're saying no to God and the things of God. And that was a wake-up call for me. Um, I'd love to tell you at that point that I changed all my behaviors and everything, but I didn't. But Hebrews 12.1, the, the, the scripture I read in the beginning of, of this message, is something I go to, back to time and time and time again. I don't, I'm not really sure why I do, but I do. Um, but when I read it this time around, it had a really, really new meaning that I'm sharing with you tonight. So I want to read the same scripture again, Hebrews 12.1, but this time I want to read it in the Amplified. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance 
the unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance, patient endurance, and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Not many people here work in the ministry, right? You guys have other jobs, whatever those jobs are. But in the broad scheme of things, we all have the same, the same race to run, right? We're called to be ministers of the gospel of reconciliation. So though you may never be up here preaching, you're still preaching every day with the words you speak to people, the way you live your life, the way we treat coworkers and friends and family. And we talked about these weights, right? And we talked about how these weights, these weights that I believe are in our soul that cause us to sin. And we talked about natural weight gain where it just doesn't happen overnight, where it gets picked up, right? Little by little, little by little, you gain an ounce, gain a pound. Over, over time, over time, over time, over time, you're gaining more weight, you're gaining more weight, and you're gaining more weight. And then one day you wake up, you're like, oh my God, I feel so heavy, I'm so fat. I'm exhausted. Life is so hard. Well, it's the same thing with the spiritual weights. From the day we were born, we've been taking in all this different information. From the day we were born, we've been hearing things, seeing things, and we keep them inside of us, and they're memories. And if we don't read the word of God, if we don't know any better, we're gonna believe that all those things are true, good or bad. Because it's not just the bad stuff that, that could be a weight in your life. You can have family, friends, and parents who tell you you're the greatest thing, you never do anything wrong, and you can walk around the rest of your life thinking that you're the greatest human being on earth. And no matter what you do, you're right. So those weren't bad words to say to somebody, but they still have a negative consequence. So I want to give you an illustration very, very, very quickly of what it looks like to gain weight and then what we're going to do with it. <clears throat> so here's my book bag. This is me. Just got born, right? Empty, pure, right? No life experience. Nothing ever went wrong. Never failed in anything. Never had a fight never had a failed relationship, never disappointed anybody, never did any of those things. Perfect. And then we start growing up. And we get our first bad grade. And then you get your first rejection. And then, well, I don't know how it is now, but you know, when I was a kid, you ask a girl face-to-face -face if they want to go on a date, and they say no. <laughs> I think you can hide, hide behind instant messenger now. Negative words spoken over you. You're never going to amount to anything. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. You might as well give up. Comparing yourself to other people your entire life, whether or not you actually know you're doing it. Carrying day after day, month after month, year after year, of either you comparing yourself to somebody else, or your parents comparing you to the other people, or your parents comparing your family to somebody else's family. And all these other ways that are very specific to you in your life. Right? Years and years and years of this stuff. And we got this backpack, right? And it's filled with all this junk, all these weights. I'm not even going to zipper it up. And we carry it around all day long, all day long. And it gets heavy. And we get tired. And we get motivated. And then things like reading the Bible become a chore. Going to church, they seem like a chore. Praying may seem like a chore. Being nice to somebody may seem impossible. 
Because if you knew how I felt inside, you wouldn't be nice to anybody because nobody's ever nice to me. Is that true? Probably not. But I'm perceiving things through the perception of my weights. Through all the things that have happened to me and all the things that I'm currently holding on to, maybe an offense, maybe unforgiveness, and I'm viewing my entire life through that. But what did... What did the Greek word for lay aside say? To put down and to push away far, far away. So we make a decision. To take these weights and throw them far away. That's not the only decision, though, because now I have the decision, what do I replace it with? TV? TV's not bad. Video games, they're not bad. If you got the, you got the resources, buying cars, buying houses, there's a lot of things that you can do that inherently aren't bad. But they're not going to get those weights away forever. They're not going to renew our minds. They're not going to change our thoughts. They're not going to tell us who we are in God, that we're loved, that we're accepted, Amen. that we're no longer orphans, Amen. that we have power, that we're not lost, and that despite what we face, we are not alone because Jesus left his Holy Spirit here to guide us, to show us things to come, and we have his grace to overcome anything, including the sin which so easily ensnares us. So we throw away those weights, and we come over here, and we pick up this very light Bible. You see, when you don't have those weights, the Bible's really, really, really light. But when you have that backpack on full of weights, it's just another weight. I may be the only one who's ever felt like that, but when you're full of other weights and you're doing nothing to change it, this just seems like another weight. Because when I read the Bible through the lens of weights, it's just reinforcing how I'm not good enough how I don't live up to this, how I'll never be able to live up to this. But when I throw aside those weights, when I lay them aside, and I throw them so far away that I can't pick them back up again, I begin to look at this with fresh new eyes. And it allows me to see who I am in God and who I can be. And that this race, whatever he's called me to do, I can do it, not because I'm so great, but because he's going to empower me, because he's called me. Amen? Amen? So we have the word of God, and the word of God changes our minds. But now we have this lifestyle. Like I said, Christianity is not a Sunday thing. It's not just Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday, you get to do whatever you want. We need to do things with other Christians. We need to have fellowship. We need to have fellowship. We need to have people who we can live life together in community. That's why we stress connect groups. So I stress doing life together. This is more than just a church. It's a family. And this is not a New Beginnings plug. It's just a fact that if we're going to live life isolated Monday through Saturday on our own, whether alone in, in singular form or alone with, not, with other people who aren't Christians, we're not going to grow. And we're going to take those weights from Monday through Saturday into church every Sunday. And we're going to wonder why the only time we have peace and joy is for a half an hour of worship every Sunday when we come to church. And the rest of the week, we're dying. So we have to change our lifestyle. And I brought an example. You know, one time I was talking to a counselor, this is a very long time ago, and this counselor said to me, Brian, every day you have a decision to make. And I'm like, okay. She said, you have a decision to get dressed. And I'm like, clearly, like I gotta put clothes on, I'm not gonna walk around naked. She's like, no, you idiot. You have a decision to make in terms of how you get dressed. You can either put on Brian or you can put on Christ. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Sometimes that decision is harder than others, but it's still a decision we have to make. And if we're not intentional about our decisions, then we're subconsciously going to default to putting ourselves on. And our natural man, our natural flesh is selfish by nature. So I went to the back and I got this shirt. 
Because I was thinking about it. And this is how we should live, right? Here to serve. It doesn't say here to serve at new beginnings. It doesn't say here to serve an hour a week when I go to church. It says I'm here to serve. It means no matter where I am, what I'm doing, no matter how busy I think I am, it's quite possible that God's put people in my life and placed them in front of me in that specific moment because he wants me to serve them. And the other cool thing about serving, whether it's here at church or it's outside of church, is ultimately when I'm serving other people, I'm not thinking about myself. When I'm thinking about other people's needs, I'm not thinking about my needs. And when I sit down and listen to somebody talk and I, and I, and I be the person who lends an ear to somebody and they tell me their problems, you know what's crazy? My problems don't seem that bad at all. You know, when I'm alone by myself, telling myself that my life is terrible at times and it's so hard, my life seems really, really, really terrible at times. But when I lend an ear to somebody else, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I got a pretty good life. So we got to change what we eat. We got to get the word of God in us. We have to change our lifestyle. We got to stop being selfish. We have to live a good life, a good witness for the people who are watching. And we have to have, have accountability partners. Accountability partners. You ever walk with somebody and get lost? It's not as scary, right? But when you walk by yourself, it's really scary. When you're walking and somebody else knows the way, if you make a left turn and it's wrong, they're going to stop you and they're going to pull you back. Be like, That's not the way to go. I've been here before. Or I've seen this road. Or I remember something similar to this and this is not the way to do it. We're going to go the other way. So when we're trying to lay aside weights and we've never done it before, there's probably somebody who's had that weight and who's over, overcame that weight. And they can help us. But if we're full of pride and we don't ask for help and we're not humble, we may be stuck with the weight forever. Because surely God can deliver us. But we still have to live the rest of our lives. And we need accountability. We need to be accountable to somebody. And it would be great if we got to a point where people could be accountable to us, where we could help other people. Other people who had struggled with the same things that we had struggled with, but we overcame. So we need to renew our minds. We need to change our lifestyle. And we need to be held accountable. And we need to be accountable for other people. Very, very, very quickly, because I'm running out of time. When we make a decision, we ultimately say yes to one thing and no to another. And if you're going to make the decision to lose weight, spiritual weight, there's a few things we got to do. First of all, you got to look in the mirror and realize you're getting heavy. The other thing is, nobody made me fat naturally, and nobody is the cause of my weight today. They may have done something to me 10 years ago, but if I'm still holding on to it today, they are not the cause of that weight. It is my responsibility. I'm still holding on to that weight. I need to look in the mirror. And the same thing with my sin. Nobody makes us sin. A lot of the times we hear it. We may even say it. Oh, man, the devil got me that time. Most of the times it's us. Most of the times we're our own enemy. And we use the devil as an excuse for the stuff we do. And that's not discounting what happens, but we were giving authority and dominion over the devil. So if we're just handing over power to him, it's still the responsibility is on us. So we got to look in the mirror. We got to take inventory. We have to be doers of the word. 
We have to understand that he inside of me is greater than he in the world. We have to be aligned with the, great, with, with the correct people. And maybe the most important thing that we have to do to be able to lay aside the weight, push it far, far away, and to stop getting entangled in sin is this. We have to stop doing and start being. Like this stuff that we have to do is our responsibility. But ultimately, it is impossible if we don't come to the realization of who we are in Christ. Amen. We can't do this stuff on our own. Because if we could, then we would boast about ourselves. And we would be prideful. We're not works-oriented. We're not prideful. And we don't want to talk to somebody else who's going through the same problem as us and be like, I know how to get you out of this. Follow me. Because then we're not leading people to Christ. We're leading people to us. We may, be, we may be bringing people to church. We may be bringing people to a Bible study. But if the answer to the problem is always us and what we did, then ultimately we're leading people to us and not to Christ. Stop doing and start being. So I'm out of time, and I've been really wrestling for the last couple of days on how to close this out. And I didn't know what to do. And I was just like, God, listen, you're going to have to tell me what to do while I'm up here, because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to close this out. Um, and today I heard it. There's a couple different people groups here. There may be people here for the, who have never, ever, 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 ever either heard the gospel or accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, confessing with their mouth what they believe in their heart. There may be people in this room right now who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and for some reason have drifted away, haven't taken heed to what they've heard. And there may be people who just came here today and had no idea they had drifted away. And they heard it for the first time, like, oh, wow, like, I do have weights. There are things in my life that may not be leading to sin yet, but I'm carrying and are making me heavy. And this was their, I just looked in the mirror a moment. If you're any of those three groups, come up here. But before you do, um, I want you to know something. This message that I put together and I just preached, it ministered to me probably as much, if not more, than it ministered to you. So I'm going to go down first, and I'm going to ask Pastor Joe to come up and pray for us. And you guys can leave me hanging here as the only person who's got waste in their life. <laughs> or you can come and join me. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was fun. It was enjoyable. It was a little stressful. But it helped me tremendously, so thank you. Now, if you got anything, come on up.